If you have your Bible's electronic devices, you can click to or turn to that if you like to read along, if you like to follow along, 1 Peter chapter 1. And so I know in your program guide, it says that we're going to go all the way from verse 1 to verse 12. Well, we're just going to make it to verse 9. That was just like too aggressive, and so we don't have enough time to go all the way through verse 12. So this morning, we're going to look at this issue of, of, of a living hope. If you guys have been with us the last several weeks, you know that first off, we started off with, with a life of hope, and we defined hope, and we looked at this issue of hope. Then Pastor Matt, last weekend on short notice, helped us understand a life of enthusiasm and what, what that means. And so this morning, I want to talk to you about a living hope. That what, it, what does it mean to have a living hope? That you and I have an active hope. We have a living hope. We don't have a dead hope. And so Simon Peter is writing into this local church. And his local church is going through all kinds of problems. And Simon Peter makes this statement and he says, I know you're going through some, some various trials and tribulations at this time. And so for them, that's like an understatement, right? I mean, for them, I mean, it's not just various trials. It's just not a little thing. I mean, that's like the understatement of the century. But maybe that's happened to you. Maybe in your life, you've gone through some trials. You're going through some problems. Maybe you're going through them right now. And then someone stopped you at, you know, at church or stopped you at the office or, or a friend or home or whatever and looked at you and just says, you know what, I'm so sorry. I know you have a few problems right now. And in your mind, you're thinking a few problems. It, that's an understatement. I mean, this isn't just, this isn't various problems. This isn't a small, this is not small stuff. This was these people. This was these people. See what, what was happening in this local church. So we grabbed the context. In this local church, they were holding on to the spiritual values and they were holding on tightly to Scripture, which put them at odds at the culture. And as a result of that, that they started persecuting Christians. They started killing Christians. They were like, they were like feeding Christians to the lions. In, in, eight, in, in 64 AD, Nero burns the city of Rome. And then he blames it on the Christians to turn the, the government and turn everything against the Christians. And the result of that, these Christians are being persecuted for their faith. They're being drugged into like coliseums, right? And they're being fed to lions and wild animals. And, what, and then people, it was, it was spectator sport, are watching their bodies being like ripped apart for entertainment. I've stood in some of those coliseums. I've stood in some of those holding rooms to where they had hold the, the Christians before they were about ready to go out. And I've stood in those things, and it was sobering just to think, what were the last prayers? What were their last thoughts before they knew that they were the ones that were going to be out to, to go out? And they, they started being persecuting for their faith. And, and then you look at Simon Peter, just a few years after writing this text, would be martyred for his faith. And Simon Peter is just so fascinating to me. And, and, and I believe this morning that I, that I have a word for you. And I'm asking God to speak to you in a very special way this morning. But when you look at this issue of these, these problems and these trials that they're going through, Simon Peter never brings up the problems, and Simon Peter never brings up the trials. He never specifically says what they are. You know what he speaks to? He speaks to a living hope. Because there's something about when we go through difficulty, and when we go through pain, that somebody needs to remind us that, guess what? You have a living hope. And his name is Jesus Christ, and as a result of that, you can walk differently through the trials. And so I just want to read these scriptures to you. I'm going to read them in, 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 in their entirety, verses 1 all the way through verse 9, so that we can grab a little bit of a context, and, we're, and then I'm going to give you three things. So here's what the scripture says. It says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, 
to those chosen living as exiles dispersed abroad in Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, that's capital S, that's the Holy Spirit, to be obedient, to be sprinkled with the blood of Jesus Christ. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. Blessed the, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ because of his great mercy, not just a little bit of mercy, but because of his great mercy, he has given us a new birth in, the, in 2A, and here's the title, a living hope, that we have a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. And you are being guarded by God's power through faith for a salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. And you rejoice in this even though now for a short time, if necessary, you suffer grief and various trials. And so that the proven character of your faith, more valuable than gold, which though, in, though perishable, is refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor in the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And though not seeing him now, you believe in him. And you rejoice with this inexpressible, glorious joy because you're receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. And Father, we thank you for this living hope. And so, Father, we ask that you just take your word and you put it down deep into our soul. And may it bring us encouragement. May it bring us into a deeper understanding of not only you, ourselves, but this living hope. Regardless of what we walk through, for we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I want to give you three things this morning. Three things that Simon Peter encourages us to remember. When we go through difficulty, when we go through pain, when we go through hurt, when we go through trials of life. And the first one is this, is God has chosen me to be a part of his family. God has chosen me to be a part of his family. When you look at this, you realize, well, let's just read the verse, verse 2. It says, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, to be obedient, to be sprinkled with the blood of Jesus Christ. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. And so what he is saying here is God has chosen you to be a part of his family. And what that means is, is this, your salvation is not an accident. Your salvation, when you look at this, you realize that guess what? God chose you. And God chose you to be a part of his family. And God chose you, what the scripture says, God chose you before the creation of the world. Before the foundation of the world. God chose you. The scripture says, Jeremiah reminds us that when you are in your mother's womb, that God knew you and God knit you together. And guess what? And God chose you. He knew about you. He knew all the decisions that you'd make. He knew the choices that you would make because he's all knowledge. And yet God chose you. God, God took the initiative and God sought you and God, God walked to find you. Um, he, your salvation is not a fluke. It's, it, was, it was his idea from the start. And so when you look at this, you realize the reason that God chose you and the reason that God chose me is because God is love. And God is a, a, a God of love and he's a God of grace. And listen, the more, the more that you understand his love and his grace, that you and I are just amazed by it. And so God chose you. Did you deserve it? Did I deserve it? Absolutely not. And so what is the basis? Because we have to ask, what is the basis that he chose us? And it's verse 3, he goes on. He said, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope 
through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. When you look at that, you realize, I mean, in my Bible, my old school Bible, that, that word great mercy is like, like circle. Because guess what? He chose us not because of my performance and not because of your performance. He chose us not because we earned it or deserved it. He chose us not because we were able somehow to do more good stuff than bad stuff. And when you, when you take the tally, you realize it's, it's, it's to the good stuff. Because there's, none of us can live a perfect enough life. He chose us because of his great mercy. He chose us because he loved us. In other words, what the scripture says, we couldn't have worked for it. We couldn't have earned it. It is by grace. Lest no man can boast is what scripture says. And God is a God of grace and God is a God, God of mercy. And not just a little bit of mercy, but great mercy. And he says, I want you in my family. And all you have to do, he chose you. And all you have to do is choose him. Romans tells us that, that tells us that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everybody who comes to that place and says, I know that he has chosen me and now I cho choose him. And I ask him to forgive me of my sins and I ask him to come into my life and give me this gift of eternal life. This issue of great mercy. When you just think about it, that God knows everything about you and guess what? He chose you. And he not only chose you, but he wanted you in the family. And so, listen, I, I just want to tell you this morning, regardless of what happens in the rest of 2022, regardless of what happens in 2023, God still chooses you. And God loves you. And there's, listen, there's nothing, there's nothing you or I can do to ever get God to stop loving us and caring about us. So the first thing is God chose you. The second thing is just this, that Simon Peter wants us to know is God is working in my life. That God, God not only chose you, but God is working in your life. I mean, when you look at this, you realize that, that Simon Peter is trying to help them to understand that even though they're going through problems, that, that, that he's reminding them that, listen, let me tell you something. God not only loves you, but he's working in your life because there's something, right? That when you go through trials and when you go through difficulty that are, um, that are like earth-shattering, that rock the foundations of, 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 of your world, you have to be reminded that God loves you and God works for you. You have to, you have to be reminded. Simon Peter got this. Simon Peter understood this because there's something. There's something about when we go through problems and we go through difficulty that all of a sudden we wonder, and it's easy to question God's love for us and God's care for us. It's easy for us to question that, that in this moment, is God even working for us? And, and so in those moments when it feels like that God is like a million miles away from us, and so mom, moments that we feel like that we're along, uh, alone in this, that God is like, I am, I, am, I am working, and I am working on your behalf, even though you may not see it and even though you may not realize it at the time. Verse 2, he goes on and says, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, to be obedient and to be sprinkled uh, with the blood of, uh, of Jesus Christ, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. So the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit, does two things in your life. He cleanses and He changes. He cleanses and He changes. He forgives us of sin and He, cha he changes us. And so when you look at this, you realize and so that He is changing us even through trials, even through difficulty, that guess what? God is still working in your life. He's molding you and He's making you more into the image of Jesus Christ. In theological circles, we'd call this sanctification to where we're becoming more like Christ. And, and this is a, one of the ways that he does that. So, so no matter what, what Simon Peter is reminding them, no matter what, God loves you. 
And no matter what happens, God will help you. No matter what. And a lot of us just need to hear that this morning. That no matter what, God loves you. And no matter what, God will help you. This is what Simon Peter is trying to help them to understand. And so listen, you and I, in situations, it is never hopeless. Why? Because we have God. Because, see, as a Christian, as a believer, we're never in a hopeless situation. Regardless of what the circumstances tell us, regardless of what we feel, we're never in a hopeless situation. You know why? Because we got God. And God loves us, and God works for us, and God helps us. Because guess what? The tomb is empty. And we have this living hope. So no matter what happens in my life, and no matter what happens in your life, God loves you, and God is working in your life. God will help you. And so how is God, I mean, how is God working in my life? Verse 7, he says, So that the proven character of your faith, more valuable than gold, which, though perishable, is being refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And so what Simon Peter is trying to help them to understand is sometimes God uses trials and problems to change you. Yes, God uses his word. And yes, God uses prayer. And yes, God uses other people. But there are times in your life and there are times in my life that God uses circumstances or God uses problems in our life to begin to test us, to begin to purify us, begin to mold our character. And so what Simon Peter says is there's a reward. There's a reward for you and I in heaven, the way that we walk through trials and the way that we walk through through problems. And, and, And Simon Peter reminds them about this issue that our trials, when you put it in light of eternity, are, are, like, are like temporary. But the rewards that we're going to receive in heaven, they're going to go on forever. And so Simon Peter says God uses trials to test or, or to develop or to refine your faith. Now engineers have something they call tensile strength. Tensile strength is this issue of, of like a metal. It's this issue of how much weight or how much pressure can a, can a piece of metal withstand, whether it's like a piece of steel, a piece of re- rebar, or something like that, something that supports a structure. And so this inch, ish, issue of tensile strength is like the maximum strength that this piece of metal, this piece, piece of steel, uh, can, can withstand. And so when you look at it, there's all kinds of calculations of how to calculate tensile strength and some of those other things. But there's also a process to develop tensile strength in metal. And you know how they do that. It's a slow process. It's actually a long process that they'll take a piece of metal and they'll heat it up in a fire. They'll get it red hot and then they put it in cold water, right? And then they, you know what they do after that? They put it back in the fire and they heat it up again and get it red hot and then they put it back in cold water. And then they do it again and they repeat that process numerous times. And so the only way to get that metal to the maximum tensile strength is by putting it in the fire and water and fire and water. It's a process. The same is true with the Christian life. A lot of times it's going into the fire and coming out and going into the fire and coming out. Don't you wish in the Christian life you just went in the fire, you just went in problems once and you're like good to go? And you just like learn everything there is to learn. But here's what I've learned about this, that as you and I walk through trials and we walk through difficulty as we mature and as we grow, that all of a sudden something new floats to the surface out of our hearts and it reveals something to us. And this is what Simon Peter is talking about. When you look at this issue of tensile strength, it, is the, it gives the ability to be resilient through stress or of difficult situations without permanent injury or damage. Towards developing something in us. The Apostle Paul wrote about this in 2 Corinthians 
In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17, he just simply said this, for our momentary light of affliction is producing for us an absolutely incomparable eternal weight of glory. And he's reminded us that even some of the problems that we go through in this world is going to be short in comparison to a life in eternity. Sometimes it's a freak accident that seems like it can change everything in somebody's life. This really came home to me um, like the third year of our existence at, at Fellowship of the Rockies. I think it was, it was, it was around 1998. Some of you old timers uh, are going are gonna to remember this. Uh, we had a young family in our church. Actually, we were all young back in that day. And so uh, we had a, when you start a church, you just reach a lot of young families. And so, uh, so we were like all young. And so we're, we're, we're gaining together and we're starting this church. And so we had this young couple came to us and, and Steve and Lisa Eckert. Many of you remember their names and many of you remember their stories. And so they had a young son. Uh, named Jonah. Jonah was like like about one to two years old at the time. And so Steve and Lisa Eckert were just this rare couple. And, and so they, they joined with us and they're life group leaders and they were on the prayer team. And, and Lisa was on the ladies ministry team and she served in that team. Uh, Steve later on would become a deacon and he, he's moved away, lives in Indiana now. And so, but anyway, in the early days, uh, they had a life group and they were serving alongside of us and they'd gone to Springs on a, on a Friday night, Steve, Lisa, and Jonah. Jonah was in the back in his car seat. They're coming back from Colorado Springs. There was a, there was a car accident on I-25. Steve and Lisa had pulled off their, their minivan off to the, the side because it was a little bit of minor damage and they were involved in the accident, so they pulled it off. Police officer shows up on the scene and, and tells them for their safety because other cars were like hitting other cars and it was a pile up. So the officer just tells them, why don't you step over the guardrail? Well, what the officer didn't know is on the other side of the guardrail was a 30-foot drop. They couldn't see that because of how the lights were hitting and it looked. And Steve and Lisa Eckert were holding Jonah. Steve, Lisa was holding Jonah. They stepped over the guardrail at the same time. Uh, they, they fell uh, 30 feet to like a concrete slab and, and Jonah's body hitting onto Lisa's body. She had, a, she had a, a spinal injury and she'd be paralyzed from the waist down for life. In God's sovereignty, a, a few cars behind them was, was a carload of two couples that were in their life group. And they noticed Steve and, and, and Lisa's car and so they called me and got people into action and, and they were life-flighted to three different hospitals. And it was a long story, but when Lisa got out of of Craig Hospital, and she went back to her home. She needed help. And my daughter, our daughter, Brittany, was 12, 13 at the time. And so it was the summer. And so Karen, every morning, uh, Monday through Friday, would drive, Karen, would drive Brittany to Lisa's house. And Brittany, as a 12-year-old, would help care for Jonah and help care for Lisa and help her learn how to navigate through the house. And, and Lisa and Brittany would have long conversations about faith and trusting God. And Lisa was one of these people who was never bitter. She was never angry. She was never angry about the situation. And she just had this unbelievable faith of walking through this problem. And a lot of times when we go through trials and we go through tribulations, we say, well, how in the world can God ever use this? Right? Ever been there? How in the world? How in the world can God ever use this? And I don't know that I have the total answer to that, but I, I can tell you this. I have thought about this a lot. I have wondered, did God use Lisa in Brittany's life to mentor her 
for when she would become about the age that Lisa was when she had her tragic accident. Brittany would go through her own suffering, her own crisis. I've wondered, did God use Lisa Eckert in my daughter's life to prepare her to face a tumor and cancer? And ch- this is why we need each other. This is why we need the church. This is why we have to have relationships with one another, the way that we encourage one another and support one another, to help us to understand that, guess what? This is how you walk through, and we encourage one another and support one another. And so the last thing that, that the, the, the Simon Peter reminds us to, to just to remember is this, is that God has secured my future. And God has secured my future. So many times when we walk through trials and tribulations, all we kind of see is this world, and all we kind of see is temporary And so Simon Peter is reminding them that, guess what? God loves you. God chose you. God's working in your life. And oh, and by the way, your your future is secured by him. It's not secured by by you. Look at verse 4. And into an inheritance that's imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you. And so now all of a sudden he's trying to help them understand, understand the security of the believer, security of the Christian. And he's talking about this issue of salvation. And he says, God has reserved this priceless gift, eternal life, for you. And it's, it's, it's undefiled. In other words, it's, it's, it's beyond anybody's reach. And he says, God has given you this priceless gift of eternal life. And there's no way we can put a, a, a price on, on eternal life. But, and then he helps him understand that, guess what? Once you got it, you can't lose it. Once you have salvation, once you have eternal life. In other words, once you're in the family, you can't get kicked out of the family. Once you're in God's family, that you know that, guess what? Regardless of what happened, God loves me. He chose me. I'm in his family. He is working in my life. And he is the one that has secured my eternal life. He's the one that secured my, my future because he uses some words that, guess what? Your salvation, where is it kept? Are you the one that's keeping it? No, it is kept in heaven and it's pure and undefiled. It's beyond any reach of any change or any decay. And four times Simon Peter comes through, and we don't have time to read it, but four different times in this text, he comes back and he reminds them about this issue of eternal life. And that once you've got it, you've got it. And that you can't lose it. Listen, if you think you can lose something that God has chosen to give you, then you don't understand grace. And you don't understand his great mercy for you. Verse 5, this is just what he says. He says, and you are being guarded by God's power through faith for salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. And so now he comes through and says, not only is your salvation kept in heaven for you, undefiled, and it cannot be be decayed. Then he says, oh, and guess what? It's being guarded. And you're not the one that's doing the guarding. You're not the one that's guarding it. It, it is it, God is the one. And so when you look at this, you look at this and you realize heaven is not based upon your performance. It is based upon God's character. It's based upon God's performance. It is, it is not based on your ability. It's based on God's power. And so when you look at this, you realize there's a lot of things that we can lose in this world, right? I mean, I can lose my job. I can lose my health. I can lose my family. I can use, I can, I can... I can lose my backpack. I am scared to death I'm going to lose my backpack. I mean, my backpack is my life. I mean, I, I work various areas at home and here, and, and I got a laptop, and I got things. I am so concerned about I know it's anal. I am so concerned about losing my backpack. I, I hide an Apple AirTag in my backpack. 
Just, but you know what? Even with the Apple AirTag, it can fail. I can still lose my backpack. I can, I can lose my health. I can lose my job. I can lose my backpack. I can lose things precious to me. But I cannot lose my salvation. And there's a lot of things that you can lose. You can lose your health. You can lose a family. You can lose a job. You can lose a possession. But what Simon Peter is trying to help them to understand that, guess what? Our hope isn't in those things. Our hope is in Christ. Our hope is in him. And because of that, we have this issue of eternal life. And he goes on, verse 6, and he says, You rejoice in this, even though now for a short time, if necessary, you suffer grief in various trials. So, so a lot of times this verse is really confusing to me. Are we, are we rejoicing or suffering? I mean, which is it? I mean, to see, I think this is the mystery of the Christian life that we can be. It is possible, right? And some of you know this. It is possible to rejoice and suffer at the same time. It's possible. I mean, Thessalonians tells us, right, that we grieve. We grieve, but we don't grieve without hope because we know where our loved one is. We know about this issue of heaven, so it is possible, right? Some Christians, you've experienced this where you've been at a casket or a funeral or something, and you've grieved the loss of a loved one, but you rejoiced at the same time knowing that, guess what? I know where they are, and I'm going to see them again. But there's also some people that are going through some difficult times, and guess what? You're in that season, and you're not celebrating. And, and they're crying or they lost a spouse, they have an illness, they've lost their job, they've lost a friend. And when you look at this, you realize that this is why I love the writings of Simon Peter. Because he talks about this issue of, of the Christian life and, it, and, and he just, it's, 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 it's just real. So don't believe people. Listen, if you're in that process right now of, of going through suffering and you haven't made it to the place of rejoicing yet, don't listen to people that come up to you and say, you know what, if you're, if you're, in, the, if you're in the perfect will of God, then everything's going to work out for you. You're not going to go through difficulty. Simon Peter tells it like it is. Sometimes it is hard to serve God. Do you realize over the last two years through this issue of COVID that 29% of pastors have quit? They've quit. They've retired. They've semi-retired. They've gone off to other careers because you know why? They would say it's just gotten too hard. And Simon Peter comes to this place and he's just real about this. And he recognizes that at times that, that we have and we go through difficulty. And the secret of Christianity is just understanding that guess what? No one can take your salvation away from you once you have known him and once you have entered into a relationship with him. But Simon Peter also says, if necessary, you're going to suffer various trials. So here's what I want to know. Who decides if necessary? You know what? Because if I'm the one that's going to decide if necessary, then I, I decide now it is not necessary for me to suffer. Are you like that? It is not. I'll learn this some other way. It is not. I mean, if I'm the one, but you realize in God's sovereignty, Everything that you and I go through cannot come into our life without his approval. The worst type of suffering, I'm just telling you, the worst type of suffering that you and I can go through is there's the ones that there's no earthly answer to. Now, we've done all we could to serve him and to follow him and read scripture and pray and worship and all those other things, kind of like the Stephen Lisa Eckert deal. 
And there's just like no earthly answer. And, and Simon Peter is reminding them, so they guess what? Even in that moment, God is not punishing you. But there is a, there is a, there is a purpose. There is a purpose to this. And that sometimes God uses trials and tribulations to help you and I understand how much we need him and depend on him. One of my favorite stories of a granddaughter, Harper, she lives in Maine. They're totally out of the will of God when they left Colorado for Maine. You know, we pray for them often. When Harper was born, she hated me. And I know that's a strong word, but I really believe that. Uh, I mean, it, she just had a thing with men. She hated men. She, I mean, if a man came in the room or tried to hold her, other than her dad, I mean, she, just, she would just like lose her ever-loving mind. And all the way up to two years of age, she wouldn't let me hold her. She wouldn't let me talk to her. I mean, she wouldn't. If I got down on the floor and said something, then she'd go to another room and she'd cry. And so I hated it. So I tried to do everything I could that all good grandparents do. I tried to bribe her. I mean, with, with like her favorite candy and stuff like that. I'd put her candy in my pocket and show her and say, you know, if you just, you know, come over here, have a conversation, you, this can be yours. And she would say no every time. And I'd even hold it out. And occasionally she'd run up, run up grab the candy, take off running. And a lot of times I would feel so bad, I'd give the candy to Karen and say, hey, you give it to her. I don't want her to miss out. I mean, uh, and, and, and so this one, I mean, all the way up to year two. And year two, uh, we're at their house in Colorado Springs. This big storm comes up. And I mean, it's one of those storms, high wind and hail and rain and thunder and lightning. Uh, everybody was down in the basement. I'd come up out of the basement in the living room. And there, it's, just, it's just Harper and I. Harper's off to the side. She's playing. I know, don't make eye contact. And so, you know... But about that time, lightning hit. It sounded like lightning hit the house. I mean, it was just, it. and, and then the thunder came immediately, and it rattled the windows. And so what was hilarious is Harper is like, and she's looking at the window, and she looked at me. I'm the only one in the room. And she's looking back and forth, and all of a sudden she takes off running, and she jumps in my arms, and she wraps around, she's hanging on to me. It was awesome. I mean, it was, I'm like, finally. And then all of a sudden, you know, she breaks out crying. Mom and dad come up, and she had enough with me, and she's like, no, I'm going to them. And so a lot of us, listen, a lot of us, I'm just telling you, a lot of us are like that with God. Our whole life, God has been trying to enter into a relationship with us. And offering us good things and offering us things and blessing us with jobs and resources and other things just so that we would come into a relationship. And we've been saying, no, we really don't need you. No, we really don't trust you. But all of a sudden, that clap of thunder, all of a sudden, that storm that we walked through, all of a sudden came to the place to where we realized he is the only one that can help us. He is the only one that can take care of us. And what's so interesting, we were in Maine this last time and a couple of weeks ago, and, and, and Harper is like, she's like five now. And so when I look at her, I said, Harper, do you realize there was a time you wouldn't even let me hold you? And she says, ah, pop up, that's silly. And she'll just laugh. But a lot of us are like that, right? You ever remember a time when you push, pushed God away? And now you would say, that's totally silly. I can't believe I ever did that. He is the only one. He chose me. He's working in my life. He has secured my future. Listen, I, I get it. I understand that, that some of us, the pressures of this life may have ground, ground us down. Whether it was a pandemic and political issues and political shifts in our country, labor issues, supply chain issues, loss difficulties, right? It has ground us down. But guess what? Simon Peter is reminding us our hope was never in those things. It was never in those things. 
I will never forget, and I'll close with a story. I'll never forget we planted the church. It was like, like the first year, and a lot of people accepted Christ. And so we need to baptize like 30 or 40 folks. And so we came up with this idea that we would, we would do a, a, a barbecue or, and grill some burgers and hot dogs at Big Lizard Pavilion at, at the reservoir. And then at the end of it, we'd, we'd, we'd baptize 30 or 40 folks in, in, in the reservoir. And so I, I was raised in Texas, and Texas lakes, we had a boat, we brought our boat with us. And a Texas lake is much different than your lakes that I discovered that day. In Texas, we actually have like gradual shoreline that it just, gra- you can walk forever, it just gradually goes out. And I thought that was the way it was here. And so we told the church, hey, we're going we're to bring our boat, and if you, anybody has a boat, we'll pull people and stuff like that. And so we'd finished, and so we got there late, and we got the boat in the water, and we're pulling up to Big Lizard, and there's 150, 200 people on the shores, you know, and everybody's excited that we're going to baptize some folks. And so, so we got about, our boat got about like, like 20 yards offshore, and I did what, what I'd always do in Texas. I grabbed the rope, cut the engine, and in front of God and everybody, and just jumped over the bow expecting to hit bottom, and pull the boat up to the shore. You know what? I never touched bottom in front of everybody. I mean, it was just my hat floating on top of the water. I still remember one of my girls screaming, Daddy's dead, Daddy's dead. And I'm thinking the whole church is watching. God, if you love me, you'll just kill me now. You just take, just take me now. Don't even let me come back up. And I came back up, and you still got to act like a Christian, right? Because everybody's, you know, watching. And I'm hanging onto the side of the boat. And <laughs> the waves are beaten. I couldn't stop anything. And people are watching. And so I screamed to the girls, and, and throw out the anchor. Just throw out the anchor. Let's end the madness. And Karen was, like, laid out. on. She, couldn't, she was laughing so hard, she couldn't even control herself. Hey, thank you very much. And so I'm like, throw out the anchor. Throw out the anchor. And so they throw out the anchor. It didn't help. And I'm like, what is going on? And then all of a sudden, this pile of rope floats by. And I'm like, did you guys tie off the anchor? They're like, you didn't tell us to tie it off. You told us to throw out the anchor. We threw out the anchor. I'd tie it off. Just tie it off. (laughs) And that's something the Apostle Paul tells us is that as believers, we have this anchor that is behind the veil. His name is Jesus Christ. But an anchor does you and I no good unless we tie it off. And and that's why Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews says that we will not waver if we remember that we have an anchor for the soul, Jesus Christ, who's behind the veil. And I'm watching a lot of wavering going on. And are you wavering? Have you tied off your anchor? to Jesus Christ. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes?